Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of 2023. I was planning on having one last one for 2022 and that's sort of where my ideas are coming from, more so on the side of reflection rather than like necessarily celebrating the new year, but more so reflecting on this past year. Um, So bringing some of that today, also bringing pretty <laughs> low energy just because I have been drinking the past few days <laughs> and so my body is catching up to me a little bit, having a very lazy day, still in PJs and got a little candle lit. I've got my stack of books propping up my microphone, setting the scene for you. Hopefully this is meeting you at a sweet spot of your day. A lot of the things that I wanted to touch on with the last episode of 2022, now the first episode of the new year revolved around defining home, um, thinking about introspection and self-nurturing during the new year and how much pressure there is to become a new person and have all these goals that you're going to meet and then beat yourself up for when you don't commit to them necessarily. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the culture of that. Um, along with like standards we set for ourselves, how these are shaped by experience and maybe how we can reshape them um, as to change our judgment of ourselves and break the cycles of patterns of shame and guilt and seeking external validation. Um, And then I also wanted to just like have a fun little sharing of favorites from this past year, talk about some TV shows, some music, maybe some movies, meals, any practices or hobbies that I really appreciated sweet little gentle episode to welcome in the new year and just keep doing some reflecting and as always just being a little bit critical about how we feel like we should be showing up in this new year when there's such a hype for um, transforming yourself and becoming this new person and I think that's like quite a more common discourse now of people being more critical of what it means to, you know, start out the new year and have all of these um, manifestations or goals or things that we want to achieve and how quickly that can become a bit of a toxic cycle. So there will be a little bit of that, but for the most part, I just wanted this episode to be a little jumble of some different ideas that I've had over the past month or so. Um, I visited home for about two weeks. I just got back last week. And so that came with its whole bundle of reflecting and just thinking about um, definitions of home and what elements are necessary for a place to be considered home, how this relates to nostalgia and comfort, safety, love, care, community, family. And I was just thinking so much about like what happens when these things, all these elements aren't necessarily a part of our experience with home spaces. How does this change our definition of home? How does this get complicated with the whole romanticism of holiday time? And so I got to thinking about the idea of people as home and the feelings people give us as that comfort that you can feel by being home, not necessarily being a physical space, but rather being a feeling when you're around certain people or in a certain location. So I was just doing a lot of reflecting on my own relationship to this idea of home and people and these feelings that I get when I'm in certain spaces. This was prompted by um, a really romantic evening I had with myself when I was back home. I went to this little coffee shop that I used to go to when I was younger. 
It was like a super snowy, blistery, wintry night, super magical, really fluffy snowflakes. And I went to this little cafe and I ordered myself a glass of red wine and read my book. And it felt so interesting to be in that space that was really familiar to me in a lot of ways, but simultaneously made me feel really displaced in some new ways of like, I was coming back after years of being away. I hadn't visited this particular cafe in a really, really long time. And I was coming back in such a new way um, that was quite unfamiliar to this particular space. And so I started reflecting a little bit on what it meant to be sitting in this particular space and writing about home and how my body felt there and the strangeness but also unstrangeness of it. Um, So I started thinking about all the different circumstances in which I'd been in the same space, but just at very different points in my life. And so I started thinking about who I went there with, how old I was, what I was doing, what I would order, particular memories that I remembered, and then kind of holding them in conjunction with how I felt in that particular moment, drinking my red wine and reading my book on this like snowy romantic evening. Um, So I was just doing a lot of reflecting about that and also just the geography of the town and how close the different locations were and how everything felt so near, but that my place in those particular spaces and locations wasn't the same. It wasn't as familiar. It was all very different. I was really different. It was all new. I was all new. And then I also started thinking about this term that I don't necessarily think is coined, but the small town gaze rather than the male gaze, which I think there's definitely some overlap there, but I was just thinking about my presence in this cafe that's also a pub. It was like kind of late at night and so there were people around me like getting drinks and groups of people and, you know, old men drinking their beers and whatever. Um, And I had a few interactions with people that (laughs) were you know, could have bothered me, but I just found kind of funny and amusing because I knew that I was only going to be there for, you know, a couple hours and I had the choice to leave whenever I wanted. And so I was just thinking about how different, I guess, my presence feels in a small town now that I'm older and have experienced life in the city. And now that I've learned so much more about how I perceive my own body in relation to other people and how much I've internalized things like the male gaze and Um, just my own little imaginary audience and how much that was shaped by living in a small town. I think if any of you grew up in a tiny town or even just an area where everyone kind of knew everyone, you probably know what I'm talking about of just the hyper awareness you feel, um, especially as a young girl and as someone who was queer in a small town but wasn't necessarily like out for the whole time I was living there. Um, I think it was a very particular experience that kind of came back to me a little bit when I was sitting in this pub cafe space um, and just having a really lovely time with myself, but also being really aware of who was in there, who was watching me, who felt the need to approach me, what kind of things they said. Um, And so it was just it was just interesting to me to think about the ways that that felt alien to me and also very familiar in other ways and how that overlapped with a lot of what I have been reflecting on and studying and thinking about in this podcast about different types of gazes and how we internalize them. And I realized that the small town gaze was very much formative to my understanding of myself and not only my body, but just like how I move through spaces and how much that changed after I left and then came back. 
so much older and with so much more experience, but still carrying some of that internalized voyeurism. While I was home, another big thing that I was reflecting on is this idea of self-nurturing and asking for love from others and expressing our desires versus our needs and asking for these things um, and the role of personal accountability and asking for what we want while also respecting the boundaries of others. Just thinking about love languages and how mine, I think, have transformed quite a bit. Not necessarily in how I most like to give and receive love, but in how I navigate asking for that or giving it to other people. And this is also wrapped up in a lot of ideas that I've been exploring in um, my final projects for last semester. A lot of them revolved around consent and the relationship between giving, receiving, taking, wanting, desiring, all of these different components that I will definitely get into in another episode because my whole world, I think, has opened up a lot more in regards to understanding consent and my relationship to it now after doing so much exploration into so many different perspectives on it. But anyway, to get back to my original point, um, talking about self-nurturing and asking for love from other people and how this can show up and be really complicated by relationship dynamics and grief and shame and how we were taught to either expect or ask for love when we were children, um, how this may have been shaped by past relationships or issues with trust. And so I've been thinking a lot about how it is I want to work on asking for love um, and also expressing to others how I want to show love to them and trying to be really specific and less abstract with this love, whether it's asking for it or giving it to other people, something that um, me and one of my dear friends try to do or try to ask each other um, every now and then when we spend time together is just how can I be a better friend to you? How can I show you that I love you this week or these next few weeks or while you're going through this difficult time? And I often sit with it because I never really know exactly in the moment of like, okay, let me just hang on to this and think about what I specifically need from you or what I would like from you. So I've been thinking more about that and my difficulty with being able to specify specifically what it is I desire from a friend or from a lover or a family member or someone close to me. And then also doing some reflection on how I typically show up for people um, and how I show my love in really particular ways, whether it's cooking a meal or giving them a massage or taking them out on a date or writing them a love letter and how this all plays into love languages and what I tend to prioritize um, and also reflecting on like how other people like to receive that and so I've just been thinking over and over kind of in a cycle of this relationship to expressing and also receiving love from people and how different that shows up in different relationships and I experienced a lot of it when I was at home and just like navigating different dynamics and boundaries and um, people that had different relationships to both accepting and also sharing love with me. And so that was a really interesting time of reflection and it's got me thinking a lot more during this new year of how I want to further navigate these dynamics and um, just do some more reflection on how I can better show up in that way, both for myself and asking for things and also um, asking others how specifically they might want me to play a role in their receiving of love. 
In the same kind of spirit of looking forward to the new year, I wanted to talk a little bit about standards that we set for ourselves in relation to new year manifestations or resolutions. Um, And I wanted to think about just like how we've been taught to set those standards for ourselves, if it's connected to childhood, if it's connected to new trends that we're seeing or lifestyles that we're seeing being promoted on social media. I've noticed um, this year the sort of trend of new year resolutions is like making an ins and outs list of like what's in for the new year versus what's out and we're leaving behind us in 2022. And I think these are really fun and just kind of like a more casual way of maybe reflecting on what you want to bring in for this new year and what you want to let go of. But I think the there's always a risk with these types of things that what you write down isn't necessarily coming from within, but rather from what you're seeing is trending or what you're seeing um, is more of a priority to some people, whether it has to do with appearance or consumerism or academic validation or anything really. It's really easy to internalize the desires or goals of other people because of how heightened they get by social media and also how much we romanticize most things that we see on social media. So I think it's hard to discern sometimes what our own true desires or goals or um, wishes for ourselves are actually ours and which ones we've internalized or adopted from some kind of outer force whether it's an influencer or something much bigger like capitalism (laughs) so i guess the question is just how can we reshape our judgment of ourselves and these standards that we set for ourselves so we don't continue these patterns of feeling shameful or guilty or um, seeking so much external validation in relation to these goals that we've set for ourselves that might have felt really important to us at the beginning of the year, but we're so tainted by these expectations that we've set for ourselves in relation to an impossible standard that's set by social media and this like lifestyle dream. This is also coming from someone who does a lot of introspection and reflecting at the end of the year. It's a very big thing for me um, during kind of any milestone, whether it's a birthday or an anniversary or a holiday of some kind. Um, I really love to do that kind of reflection and really delve deep into things. Um, And so my criticism of this way of thinking is coming from a place of just like wanting to do this kind of reflection and introspection further and further away from external forces and learning how to really go within and learning to tune out certain temptations from the outside world of aesthetics and appearance and trends and you know all of those little aspects of social media that slowly wear you down more and more while still leaving room for myself to play and have fun with creating a little Pinterest vision board or collaging or drawing or whatever. There's nothing wrong with aestheticism. I just am hypercritical of it with myself because I know that it can become really easy to slip into the pattern of escapism and daydreaming about this beautiful life rather than being in real time, real moment, real presence with myself and with my surroundings. I really want to respond to this question that someone sent in because I just thought it was so cute and I'm going to ask people this, um, I think any day of the year, (laughs) but someone asked if a book or film were to embody your year, what would it be? I really love that this question got me thinking about all the books that I've read and all the movies that I've watched this year. 
Um, and I think my answer has got to be, if you know me, this is going to be quite predictable, but the movie I would say embodied my year would be About Time um, from 2013, which is like my absolute favorite romantic movie ever. Always makes me cry, always makes me laugh, always makes me feel a beautifully deep gratitude and nostalgia and catharsis for life and relationships. Um, and it also has one of my favorite soundtracks of any movie ever. So I would choose About Time um, for a few different reasons. I think that the more obvious one, I guess, would be I finally went to um, a Dine in the Dark experience. It was my and Marco's fifth year anniversary, and we went to Au Noir in Montreal. And it's basically, so you walk in and you pick out what you want to eat, um, and this person comes over and talks you through how it's all going to work. And then you're led into this room that's pitch black. All of the waiters are blind. Um, And so they lead you to your table and the whole experience is just like pitch black. And it was amazing and so romantic and so beautiful and just like such a cool experience. And the reason I really wanted to do this was because that's how the couple originally meets in the movie about time. So that was just like a cute little bucket list um, moment for me that I got to check that off. But overall, just the message of the movie and the feelings that it brings me and the nostalgia and love and care and connection that it centers of just like all the tiny little lucky moments of existence feels really true to how I experienced this past year. Not to say that there weren't incredibly hard and sad and really challenging times, but overall I look back at the year and think it was a really, really lucky year overall. I want to end the episode just by running through some of my favorites from this year, starting with TV shows, um, the first two of which I'm absolutely obsessed with, partially because I just finished both of them, like, within the last week, but first one is Bad Sisters, which is on Apple TV, probably in the top five TV shows I've ever watched for different reasons, but really beautiful, really amazing show, also fabulous soundtrack. Um, Two is The White Lotus. I watched both seasons within, like, a couple weeks, I think. I think they were like pretty much back to back and I think I preferred the second one. I could be wrong. No, I think I did prefer the second one. Um, but just like beautiful plot line. It was so well executed, really cool music, amazing characters, kept me on the edge of my seat. So funny. Anyway, that one was amazing and I'm sure most of you have watched it. I also really enjoyed Barry, which is on Crave kind of a darker one. It's sort of Breaking Bad, kind of, except without the drugs. Um, And it's also really funny, but really interesting and quite dark. If you like dark humor, I would totally suggest it. Uh, Another one would be Westworld, but only season one. After season one, it just like, in my opinion, got kind of bad. (laughs) But season one was amazing. I really liked it. Next one would be I May Destroy You, which I think I may have talked about before on here, and I wouldn't go into it lightly. You really need to prep yourself for it, Um, and I wouldn't recommend binging it, which I think is what I did, (laughs) but again, really amazing show. The writing is phenomenal, and overall, just like really interesting and captivating story. Some favorite movies from this year, I really enjoyed The Lost Daughter which is directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal. I thought it was really beautiful and also just interesting. I also have a huge soft spot for Olivia Colman and Dakota Johnson, who are both in it. I was also, unsurprisingly, a very big fan of Everything Everywhere All at Once. I got to go see it in the theater, and I'm so glad I did, because now that it's out on platforms, I 
just realized how amazing it was to see it on the big screen and with popcorn. And I think it was the first time also since it came out, I think in the spring, it was my first time going back to the theater after everything being closed down. And so that was also really special and very, very magical experience. There are definitely so many movies that I'm forgetting that I'm going to be annoyed with myself over later. But um, anyway, that's it for movies. I guess favorite books that I've read. I think I've talked about a lot of them before and you're probably sick of hearing the titles. But um, the ones I remember reading from this year are Milk Fed, Girlhood, In the Dream House, Her Body and Other Parties, Comfort Me with Apples, Sarah Land, Daddy Stories. And Bunny was the most recent one that I finished. They're all, I feel like, within the same kind of realm. A lot of them have femme queer themes. A lot of them are kind of psychological, horror-y, some nonfiction, some fiction, but all really good books that I would definitely recommend. Favorite hobbies of 2022 that I'm definitely going to bring with me into this new year um knitting was a huge thing I feel like I transformed my relationship to knitting so much I used to get really frustrated um with my projects and like would never really finish them but I finished so many projects this year which felt really great and I also learned some new skills with knitting which was extremely satisfying thanks to my very patient and loving mom so knitting was a big thing for sure I also eased back into writing poetry which I hadn't done for a really long time I think a lot of it probably had to do with how many books I was reading for pleasure rather than just for school and also like really slowing down and letting myself have more time just to do nothing, which encouraged me to write more. So that was really lovely to lean back into. I also really got into coffee this year. I didn't really used to enjoy drinking it, but I think because of going back to in-person classes in the fall semester... Um, it became more of a necessity and then turned into quite a sweet pleasure for myself of making it for myself in the morning. I also recently had a really fun time building Lego, which I got for Christmas. Um, I got a set of like the flower bouquet Lego that you have to build. Um, and I had so much fun. I like honestly was so confused at first because I, hadn't really practiced those muscles in my brain and really like used them in a long time um, of like putting things together and building something and so it was confusing at first which is kind of funny Um, (laughs) but it was really fun and now I have a really cute little bouquet on my front table so that was kind of fun to lean back into that like lost childhood hobby of mine. (laughs) So I'm excited to see what new things I try this year, whether it's hobbies or drinks or food or recipes or items of clothing, haircuts, tattoos. I think I'm going into this year feeling a lot less pressure than past years because I really let myself let go of that idea that I needed to set particular goals for myself and rather just like lean into reflecting on what was really good for me this year and what I'm really proud of and other things that I want to continue to work on um, rather than setting concrete goals. I think having loose sort of edges to those like goals or hopes or manifestations or whatever you want to call them, for me, I think having them in quite abstract terms Um, To an extent, I think it is really healthy to set certain goals and be very specific with them. And I do do that sometimes. But when it comes to just like general new year reflections, I really like to keep it relatively abstract and open so that I have 
um, less of an opportunity, I guess, to be really critical on myself of what I haven't achieved or what I haven't been as productive with or that kind of thing. So I'm really happy with how this like last bit of the year ended for me and with how I'm feeling going into this new one. I really hope that you're all feeling safe and warm and cozy and happy. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this platform changes or grows or molds into something new this year as I continue to ease into prioritizing slowness and gentleness with how I produce episodes and how I go into them um, and what kind of topics I choose to explore. I think I was playing around with that a lot more this past year of just like giving myself the permission to record when it felt right rather than trying to get something out every single week and I realized that that created a bit of inconsistency um, which I am sorry for but I have learned that that's the best way for me to um, feel truest and feel most authentic to how I want to be showing up here and what kind of ideas I want to be exploring um, and how I want to connect with all of you because I'm really so, so deeply appreciative of the openness that this platform has created and all the connections that I've been able to make. It's been so cool to meet some of you and to continue talking and um yeah I just without getting too sappy I'm just really consistently blown away and in awe and also just very grateful of what has been created from this little thing that I call a podcast um so anyway don't want to don't want to get too sappy but I just wanted to say thank you so much for those of you who continue to reach out and I'm really excited for this next year to see where it goes. So I hope you have a beautiful first week of the new year. I hope you're taking it slow. I hope you're resting. I hope that you're getting romantic evenings, mornings, afternoons with yourself. And I can't wait to talk to you.